0: is power well,
1: what you learn here is that God's design for the people of God is that you have people who are more mature walking with people who are less mature. They have people who are older walking with people who are younger. And what I've learned is that for the older generation, you bring a, a breadth of information and knowledge and experience. And the younger generation brings a lot of energy to the table.
0: And guess what? We need both. People tend to spend the most time with their peers who are similar in age and experience. But as Pastor Daniel shares today, God wants his people to be an interconnected community segregated by age. You'll learn that God's design is that older people come alongside the younger generations, showing them how to grow in grace and mature in their faith. In turn, the younger people give energy and share their zest for life. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 15 as he continues his message, Doxology.
1: says, verse three, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell upon me. Notice, for even Jesus did not please himself. Jesus has the ultimate example of of the person who always did those things which pleased his father. Jesus, who did not live his life to please himself. And then, of course, he quotes Psalm 69, verse nine the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. See, they're talking about the cross where my sins, my reproaches fell on Jesus and Jesus received the punishment for my weaknesses, for your weaknesses. Where Jesus received what we deserved in our place. Why? Because he was strong enough. His shoulders were broad enough. He was the only person who could bear to pay that debt when none of us could. Jesus did it for us. So look, that's exactly what Jesus did. See, oftentimes we forget that Jesus walked by faith. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, he didn't want to take the cross. He said, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass for me. But not my will, but yours be done. And then he took the cross. He gave up his own life. No one took it from him. He wanted to do it. Why? Because the strongest in the room did what the weakest could never do. And in the same way, we learn from that example. Only Jesus could be the savior of the world. But we realize that we live in the world as his body. And for many of us, we've kind of lost this in a self-centered culture where we begin to think that our faith is about pleasing ourselves. No. See, true spiritual maturity is when you use your maturity to help other people, to bless other people. A self-centered Christianity is not truly Christianity. It's American culture with a veneer of Jesus put over the top. See, we have to learn from Jesus. But not only learn from Jesus, we also learn from the scriptures. Notice what it says, verse four. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we, through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures, that we might have hope. Now, I love this because Paul just quotes the book of Psalms to reference Jesus. And he says, hey, and don't miss the fact that all this stuff was written. It was written for our learning." And so we don't only want to learn from the example of Jesus. We want to learn from the scriptures. That was amazing. I was just reading some research that came out about people, people of faith, Christians, and Christian maturity. And the the research is amazing because what we found is that people who believe in Jesus and people who don't believe in Jesus statistically have the same set of struggles, same set of struggles, same frequency of struggles, unless, and I kid you not, unless they actually read the scriptures four times a week. So like you take a non-believer and a believer, you put them side by side, same instances of marital unhappiness, personal unhappiness, alcoholism, all sorts of addictions. A believer and a non-believer, exactly the same, unless the believer is reading the Bible at least four times a week. Why? Why? Because something happens when you handle God's word, not just on Sunday, but every single day. Because now all of a sudden you're getting an alternative way of looking at the world. Now listen, I'm no judgment, but listen, you have to ask yourself, are you reading the word of God every single day? And I'm here to tell you, if you're not, then all the stuff that you have going on, the reason that's there is because even though you believe in Jesus, you're really not putting in any, none of Jesus's, heart into your life. And I'm here to tell you, you cannot counteract seven days of life with 90 minutes on a Sunday. It's just not possible. Just the way if like, if you want to get your health in order one day in the gym for 40 minutes, is not going to counteract seven days of unhealthy living. It's, it doesn't get the job done. But if you want to grow in maturity, when you start putting the scriptures in every single day, now all of a sudden, the believer and the non-believer look completely different. I mean, there's there's almost no similarity. The percentage of marital unhappiness, way down. All sorts of addictions, way down. Why? Because now all of a sudden, a person is interacting with the scriptures. That's why we have you reading through the Bible together. We're, we're going through the, if you've been reading with us all year, and you can find it on our app, you can find it online, we have all these different ways you can do it. We're reading through uh, the New Testament for the second time right now, we're in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 12, I read it this morning, as my devotional time. And I was reading about the death of Herod. Do you know why, know why Herod died? Because he was speaking, and everybody was like, oh, Herod, voice of a God and not of a man. And Herod's like, yep, I'm the man. And he died. Now there's nothing worse when you're a pastor, you read that before you go preach on a Sunday morning because right then you're like, okay, hold on a second, you know? And I, st- I read that. and I thought to myself, know what the problem is for me. If I do a good job and I forget to give glory to God, then I start to take the glory. And then I'm, I got problems. But again, if I don't read that, the number of people who try and work out their salvation by preaching, hoping that people will like their sermons or like their content. We, we live in a world that we're seeking affirmation in the wrong places. And what's funny is it's not only true for me Whatever your skill is Whatever God has given you When you read the scripture Whatever skill you have You realize it's a gift given by God And when you use it for God's glory And God does something with it We don't take the credit for it Like oh man of course I'm the man Like of course I'm so good at this No 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 You say no no God has allowed me to do this It's his life And when we start living not for our own glory But for God's glory Guess what You start to mature don't you you start to see your life differently. And brothers and sisters, we need to learn from the scriptures and from Jesus. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 29. He says, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. I love the King James, you do err. That's such a deep way of saying it. Shakespeare is so proud. You do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. And brothers and sisters, let's not make that error. Let's not be mistaken. Be people of the word of God. I want you to read the Bible every day. And not just read it, be like, okay, I read it because Fusco told me to read it. But say, what does this mean? What does this teach me about God? What does this teach me about myself? And what is God asking me to obey today? Those three questions change everything. Who is God and who am I? And what is God inviting me to obey today? Because God doesn't just want us to have big thoughts about Him. God wants us to know Him and walk with Him. And God wants us to line our lives up with what His Word says. And that's what Paul's saying here. See, we begin to mature spiritually when we learn from the example of Jesus and we learn from the examples in Scripture, the teachings of Scripture. Now, notice what happens next. Because He says all this, and then look at the end of verse 4, it says, that through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. And then verse 5, now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God and the Father Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now brothers and sisters you see this. This is the doxology of the God of patience and comfort. See right there verses 5 and 6. That's the doxology in Paul's writing. Now may the God. Of patience. And comfort. Now. In this moment. What God is saying to us is. He wants us to know him as the God of patience. And the God of comfort. Now. Don't miss verse four. What does verse four say? The end of it. That through the patience and comfort of the scriptures. See, this is why when we learn from Jesus and we learn from the scriptures, we begin to appropriate from the scriptures both patience and comfort. Now, let's just be honest. In the midst of divisions, people with different ideas, different ways of doing things, don't you need patience in order to be able to love that person? Don't you need the comfort to trust that even though we're doing this thing two different ways, God knows what he's doing. See, when you handle the scriptures, you begin to know the God of the scriptures and that God wants us to walk in patience and in comfort. And notice when that happens, now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. Now, I love this. Now, you see what's going on here? That the God of patience and comfort would make us like-minded toward one another. So really what he's saying is, the strong, the grounded, the spiritually mature goes first, doesn't please themselves, blesses, builds up the other person, and now may the God of patience and comfort grant that we all be like-minded. Why? Because the less mature... The weaker in the faith, learn from the patience and comfort of the stronger in the faith. And then before you know it, they're like, wait a second. I mean, they've been walking with Jesus for a long time, but they're so kind and they're meeting me right where I am. And and they're making room for the fact that we don't necessarily agree, but maybe they're right. Or maybe I should learn how to handle my scruples with the same maturity as that mature person did. And now all of a sudden, you have the older generation modeling, the more mature believers modeling for the younger believers the ability to be gracious. And now all of a sudden, guess what happens? The body starts growing. Now, can I just say something? It's one of the things I love so much about the Crossroads family. Because I had a friend visit, pastor, local church pastor, guy I love and respect. He's like, man, being at Crossroads is amazing. It's a truly intergenerational church. I'm like, it totally is. There's older people and younger people, you know, and we were even talking about it, that if you were to take the demographic breakdown of ethnicity in our community and you overlay it on crossroads, it's exactly what crossroads is. We are a perfect slice of Clark County, Washington, where we live. But I'm here to tell you, guess what? One of the things that's so hard is so many of us were so used to only spending time with people in our age group. And so when you have older and younger together, it creates some unique conflicts, you know how I know this? It's it's like how many of you guys? It's those of you who are, who maybe been around a little bit long, older before you had like all your f- music on your phone. Remember what it was like when you had that little buttons on your in your car that changed the the channel on the radio. Now, how many of you enjoyed that on road trips? Yeah, none of you, right? Three of you. Because you made your kids listen to what you wanted to listen to, right? That was that day. Like, you're going to listen to what I want. I remember growing up, man, my parents, they'd have it on like the easy listening station. It was Carol King until I passed out. Some Barry Manilow. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm all down with the Copa Copa Cabana. you know. I remember those songs, you know, I remember Neil Diamond. But I remember like when we got older, I'd be like, you know, throwing the ball at the radio. Like, can I get to hit anything? Right? Because everyone, you know, it's hard to agree on that stuff. And then what's funny is, is for those of you who are older, did you really love your parents' music? Of course not. Right? But now your kids don't like them. Some of you did because you're so spiritual. God bless you. You preach next week. You guys are good to go. For the rest of us, it's like, I didn't like my parents' music. My kids don't like my music. Right? But what happens is when you put all the generations together, what happens? You get different views on it. But what you learn here, is that God's design for the people of God is that you have people who are more mature walking with people who are less mature. That you have people who are older walking with people who are younger. And what I've learned is that for the older generation, you bring a a breadth of information and knowledge and experience. And the younger generation brings a lot of energy to the table. And guess what? We need both. God does not have an age preference He is into something greater. He's into the people of God growing together. That's why it talks in the scriptures how younger men should treat older men as fathers and older women as mothers. Older men should treat younger men as sons and older women should treat younger women as daughters. Why? Because God wants us to grow up together. And for each one of us, all the different variables is the opportunity for us to grow in spiritual maturity. He wants us to have the same, be like-minded. By verse 6, that you may be of one mind and with one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, I want you to be unified as one body with one mind, praising God with one mouth. And I'm here to tell you, it is so much more like heaven for us to be able to praise God and glorify him with people in different generations doing it together than being homogenized. You know, I I was talking to a a pastor about this recently, another pastor. He's saying, you know, it's got to be so hard to try and keep all the generations together. I'm like, it is hard. Because you're managing tensions. And he's like, yeah, so many churches, they're either all older people or they're all younger people or they're all this kind of a person or that kind of a person. I'm like, yeah, it's hard. I'm like, but... As leaders, if we don't manage the tension, then we just give into it. And I'm like, and in a lot of ways, he's like, is there pressure to give into it? I'm like, absolutely, from every angle. I'm like, but I didn't go into the ministry for it to be easy. I actually like a good challenge. You know, and in all the ways that you, and I say this because I realize that for all of us, like, sometimes I tell people, I'm like, it'd be easier if you went to a church where everyone was just like you. Right? And I'm like, but it's not really like heaven for it to be like that. Because God's grace does work. And so I'd say this because in all the ways, we don't have a lot of problems with this in any way. I mean, it's kind of a, it's a God thing what he's doing. But in all the ways that sometimes like, man, I wish that they would turn the music up, turn the music down. I wish that they would do newer songs, older songs. I wish that they would turn the lights down, turn the lights up. I wish they'd have more fog, no fog, less fog. I wish that they would have folding chairs. I wish they'd have softer chairs. I wish it would be colder, hotter. I wish that it would be this, that. Listen, just remember, the beauty of all this is that this is what heaven's going to look like. Where we're all here together, growing together. And what I would say is in all the areas that it's hard, that's where God wants to mature us. And that's not only true for those of you who are more mature in the faith. That's true for us who are less mature, who are newer in the faith. And that's one thing I love about this place. There are people who've been walking with Jesus here for longer than I've been alive. And there are people who are going to say yes to Jesus today. And we grow together. Because the God of patience and comfort meets us in the midst of this. Listen to what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Another beautiful doxology of the Apostle Paul. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation. That way maybe we be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation abounds through Christ. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, he blesses God, who's the father of mercies, he's the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our struggles. So in our struggles, God comforts us, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received. See, that's how it works. You go through something, and God meets you in your trials, and he comforts you, and then, once you've experienced his comfort, then somebody else is going through that trial. God uses That testimony to be a vehicle for someone else to walk through it. See, that's one of the ways God redeems our issues. He brings us in the midst of it, and then he wants to work through us. So then you start to realize that the things that we go through, God leverages for his good purposes to help other people grow. But notice, it's the God of comfort. It's the God of patience. Now, look at what happens next. Because from there, the Apostle Paul says this in verse 7. Back in Romans 15, it says, therefore receive one another just as Christ has also received us to the glory of God. Now, I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the Father and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy As it is written, for this reason, I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his peoples. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you people. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him, the Gentiles shall hope. Now, I've already been alluding to this. But really, when you're growing and maturing in Christ, you need to receive everyone as family. That's what he's talking about. See, Paul's now bringing us down as he's bringing this section to a close to the greatest division in the early church. The division between those who were ethnically Jewish and those who were not. Those who grew up believing in the law of God and those who grew up outside of it. He brings us back to what he's been talking about through the whole book of Romans. The bringing together into one family the Jews and the Gentiles, both in Christ. So he says, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. He's saying, listen, all of us came to Jesus and Jesus received us. And now he's saying, I want you to receive one another in the same way. That's what God is interested. In. That's why we always say here across because Jesus is real. We're a family of faith. That's just not like catchy phrases. That's biblical language. God is not interested in just saving us. He's interested in making us a family. And families can be challenging that way. But we receive one another just as Jesus received us. Now, let me ask you a question. When Jesus received you to himself, did you have everything together? Was Jesus like, man, finally a perfect person need to save that person? No. When when Jesus met you Where were you at? Broken, mangled, all all sorts of things. But he received us just as we are. Now, one of the things I love so much about Jesus is Jesus accepts us just as we are. Jesus says, come as you are. But Jesus doesn't say, come as you are and stay as you are. Jesus says, come to me, however you are, and I'll accept you just where you are, but I love you too much to leave you that way. And that's the same way we treat one another. And not only those of us within the church, but all people, we receive them right where they are. We don't say, listen, you got to fix that and then I can be friends with you. You got to make sure you vote differently and then I'll talk to you. You better not be rooting for that team. Everybody hates them. And so I won't talk to you until you get rid of that jersey. No, he doesn't say any of that. He says, receive them just as they are. And then he reminds us that's exactly what he did with the Gentiles. And what I love so much about the Apostle Paul, remember how we said we should learn from Jesus in the scriptures? You see what the Apostle Paul does to make his case. He quotes not one, not two, not three, but four scriptures to make his point. Look at what he says. I think this is so fun. He says, as it is written, for this reason, I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. That's a quote from Psalm 18, verse 49. I'm gonna confess you to the Gentiles, right? And again, verse 10, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. That's a quote from Deuteronomy, chapter 32, verse 43. And again, again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. That's a quote from Psalm 117, verse 1. And Paul's not done yet. And again, Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. That's Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 10.
0: Jesus is... We're so glad that you've stayed with us today as Pastor Daniel invited you to consider God's design for your relationships with his other children. Ultimately, you'll learn that God saved us to make us a family. He invited you to come to him just as you were, no matter how broken and mangled you might've been. And you'll learn that as a family, God wants his followers to love each other and help one another grow and change. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks so much for tuning in today. It's such an amazing honor
1: to share God's Word, and I love seeing how God is working through this ministry. Would you partner with us? I'd love for you to join us in sharing the message that Jesus is real by being a prayer partner or financial supporter. Find out more by visiting our website, JesusIsRealRadio.com.
0: Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel lays out God's vision to use you to do his work in the world around you discover that God loves you too much to let you stay broken, wants to transform your life from the inside out, if you let Him. Pastor Daniel encourages you to allow God to change you, your priorities line up with His. God will use you in the lives of others in ways you never expected. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time, as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Amplify. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.